Well, what's up, guys? Welcome back and welcome into the Ethos Lakers podcast. Here with your main man, Ethan, on the solo ride tonight as I back-to-back it with JC following the Lakers, finally getting back in the wind column. Maybe saving Frank Vogel's job, maybe not. Life is 50-50, ain't it, right? With all jokes aside, we'll get into everything, but had every intention of being here with JC, but as they say, life happens. As, and as I share on Twitter and I'll share here as well, I deal with anxiety and sometimes anxiety hits hard and I just couldn't have it in me to uh, perform how I wanted to perform and be present in such a way with you guys that you deserve. So if you got investment in what I want to say, I want to make sure that I can be fully invested in what I want to present. So had to sit one out, but I'm back this evening on a solo ride to bring it back with you guys. And like the Lakers showing up, we like to show up. So hopefully we do it a little bit more often here. And we always look forward to connecting with you guys. And it's no secret. I always share. Look, if you got anything that you guys want to hear, any feedback, any ideas, any guests, any trade proposals, any questions you guys have. We always love the feedback. So appreciate hearing from you guys. And I know Carl, shout out to Carl. He's a character on every episode. Don't forget. Okay. I know Carl always gives me the feedback nice and early in the morning. Carl's up early on the East Coast. So you already know what time his text hit on the West Coast. Nice and early. Love Carl. Love you, brother. All right, let's get right into it, guys. So Lakers get back in the wind column. We love to see that. Of course, we love to see the Lakers win basketball games. And as I say to everybody, it's not even the wins and losses, right? As a fan of any team, of course you want your team to win more than they lose. Of course you want them to be in the playoffs. Of course you want the team to be successful and to win a championship, to be competitive. Of course you want all of those things. But there are times you recognize logically that it's not going to happen. You say, okay, I just want a team that's competitive. I want a team that's fun to watch while the team goes through this period, this transitional time. And as a fan, you hope it is truly a transitional time and not a permanent state of being like so many franchises find themselves in flux. Fortunately, the Lakers, they always, if they have to go through some sort of semi-transition, it's typically short-lived. They've been very fortunate in that respect. Right. So as I sit here and watch the Lakers like so many others, it's not the wins and losses for me. Of course, I want the Lakers to win games. But it's the effort. And I feel like we have just been talking about the same damn thing all year when it comes to effort the lakers you know we sat here before the season i remember having this conversation specifically and i said look this is going to be frank vogel's greatest challenge with this team he is a defensive oriented coach and he has a team filled with guys who don't defend and no elite defenders to lead the way right oh and people like well this team's got trevor ariza and taylor horton tucker okay great that is not an elite defender. I don't care which way you spin it. There are guys who have performed better than expected. I think one of those guys being Austin Reeves, for example, defensively. But as a whole, this Lakers group has been poor, to say the least. And a big product of it, like rebounding, right? Lakers have struggled giving offensive rebounds to the opposition. A big product of that is just effort. Right? There are going to be times where you get beat. There are going to be times where a guy is just better. But if you provide an effort, right, as a fan, that's all you can really ask for, a sustainable effort. And against the Jazz, we saw that from the Lakers. I mean, they were competitive. There were times where they started to slip, and the game almost slipped away. There were opportunities for Utah to win that game. And as good as the, as the Lakers' defense was on the whole, there were moments where Utah just shot the, bo- the ball poorly. In the third quarter in particular, as JC mentioned, And on top of that, the Lakers just never really pulled away offensively. Lakers didn't really play a great game offensively. But they they didn't really play differently either. 
They made a few more shots, right, in, in moments that counted, even though it was a low-scoring game. But in terms of the difference, it was really just effort. <coughs> Whew. That's called real-time taping, baby. Real-time taping. As we sit here and we think about where the Lakers are in the season, I mean, basically, they are a 500 team. This is what they've been all year. They've never really gone way up. They've never really gone way down. They've just hovered around 500, and they are who they are at this point. And everybody, I think, so desperately, and I mean desperately, wants a scapegoat, wants some single person to blame it on. Russell Westbrook gets the ass of that because he's the new guy. He's the ill-fitting piece. He's the easiest superstar to pin onto, and we'll get into that too. But let's start with this whole Vogel stuff. So I love I love Frank Vogel on hot seat reports. I love any coach on hot seat reports. You know why? Because there is no downside for the media outlet that pushes it. Because you, you create a topic of conversation and the team is going to refute it. The team isn't going to come out and say, yeah, you know what? We're actually going to fire him. You know what? You beat us to it. You know what? You scooped us. Like, it's just not going to happen. So as a reporter, of course, you want to carry credibility that when you report things that they eventually are going to happen. But there's no real downside to sort of saying, hey, I heard in conversation that Frank Vogel's on the hot seat, right? Then it's not even your report. You just heard it in conversation. So I could be a media member overhearing practice. I could be a fan listening on the bench, right? I could be tapped in like the CIA, whatever the circumstances are. There's just a lot of ways to sort of couch this kind of thing. So anyway, within the same 24 hours, 12 hours, however long it's been at this point, time is just a construct, honestly. It's hard to keep track of what days it is when you're trying to run a high school in the process of COVID-19 world, right? So we hear that Frank Vogel has been on the hot seat. And according to the athletics, Bill Oram and Sam Amick, I want to give them credit, right? Everybody deserves credit no matter what reports they already are. Media members work so hard for this information. And I'm not sitting here saying that anyone who reports this stuff, I'm not insinuating that they're making stuff up. I'm just saying that it's it's not the type of report that I tend to put a lot of value into because it's one of two things. It's either like, okay, well, obviously the team is struggling and they can't fire the players or, oh, well, we all know that that coach is going to get fired. So great. Anyway. So according to the two guys, right, Vogel's being evaluated on a game-to-game basis and that he barely missed being fired following that really embarrassing loss against the Nuggets. And that, and that really was an embarrassing loss. Like, that was the type of loss that could get a coach fired, to be fair. But they didn't, right? So here we are, and, you know, from basically in my eyes, from the moment Frank Vogel was hired to coach this franchise, he has been on... A game-to-game basis. There is nothing that he has done in his coaching career. Like, it's not his fault. It's not some sort of, like, personal vendetta against Frank Vogel. This is just the reality of who he is as a coach. He hasn't done something so spectacular, so brilliant, so this, so that, that has established him in coaching lore where he has this untouchable, you know, sort of blessing over him. He is not Phil Jackson or someone to that sort of mystique. So of course he is evaluated on a day-to-day or game-to-game basis, right? I mean, we all are to some extent. Unless you're a tenured professor, 
That's pretty much all of us, no matter what the circumstances. Only in life do we get freaked out by uncertainty when we think something is certain. Because every day presents certainties in our minds. But when something disrupts the norm, that's when we freak out. Reality is life is a series of uncertainties. That's a whole different conversation. So then within the span of the same day, we get an update. This time from Broderick, or Broderick Turner, excuse me, or Brad Turner, as some of us may know him. And Dan Wakey over at the LA Times. Quote, unquote, there are no current plans, end quote, to replace Vogel, according to people with knowledge of the situation. Also, my, one of my favorite sort of reporter crutches. You guys remember, I, I used to be in media full time. So I know how the game works. I'm not sitting here saying it's, it's useless. I'm just saying there's a very real value to it in terms of how you write on paper. So it sounds like he's here to stay. But within that report, we also learn that, you know, sort of Kurt Rambis may or may not be making his opinion heard during Lakers practice, advocating for the Lakers to play bigger lineups, which I don't necessarily believe to be the answer. The Lakers... Again, I, I sat here a while ago, week, two weeks ago, sat here and said the Lakers have wasted roster spots. I'm glad that Jay Huff is no longer on a two-way. And I'm glad Sekou Dumboya is. I think he has more upside to this team. Do I think he's going to be some miracle like Stanley Johnson? No, which is a hell of a sentence, by the way. But I think he's interesting. More interesting than Jay Huff, right? Definitely got to talk about Stanley Johnson, too. It's been ridiculous how good he's been for this team. So, DeAndre Jordan, I don't get it. Kent Bazemore, I don't get it. I. This is the classic situation of you can't fire the players. So, let's play it out, guys. The Lakers fire Vogel. Then what? Who comes in and replaces him? Who's going to come in and, and replace him and sort of have command of the locker room, which is apparently one of the things that everybody's so concerned with with Vogel? Who's going to come in and command the, resp the respect of LeBron and AD and chill out Russell Westbrook and, 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 and? Who's going to miracle heal Kendrick Nunn's knee? Who's going to make this team's median age five years younger and host a shaman rag over the whole locker room? I mean, there is no voodoo magic that's suddenly going to be a fix, quick fix for this team. And I think because... Lakers fans are so used to having success so sustained combined with the fact that we now live in this age of instant gratification multiplied by um, a factor of just infinity because of how technology has evolved, social media, everything else. The, the patience for anything is so thin. Sometimes things just don't work and it's no one's fault. And I think that's a really hard and difficult concept for a lot of people to grasp, right? I think it's a hard concept for even like for me to grasp in my own personal life. Sometimes things just don't work and it's not anyone's fault. 
But I think because so many of us have become conditioned to the extremes, we have to always blame something or someone when there is something that doesn't work. Sometimes people just try to do things and it doesn't work. That can be a relationship. That can be a work scenario. That can be a friendship. That can be a a business venture. It can be so many different things and they just don't work. It can be a good idea and it just doesn't work. It happens. So I'm not saying that this Lakers roster as it was initially constructed in particular was the world's greatest idea, but I think it was an interesting idea and it was what was became, what had become available to the Lakers. And the Lakers as an organization decided that we would rather roll the dice on Russell Westbrook and and sort of filling out the roster with veteran guys because we won't have a salary, any salary space following that. Rather than playing the game of trying to get Buddy Heald to Los Angeles for, you know, so for Kyle Kuzma in Sacramento or whatever construct of the deal that was going to be and going about building this team in a different way. And with all due respect to Kyle Kuzma and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell and Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram and all of these guys who have left the Lakers over the years in trades and have gone on to flourish elsewhere. It's it's a non-linear comparison in terms of sort of advocating for the Lakers should have kept this player, this player, or that player. These players wouldn't have the same opportunities on this Lakers team with LeBron James at its core, with Anthony Davis at its core. They wouldn't have the opportunity to blossom into the players that they become. They wouldn't have had the runway. They wouldn't have had the growth space. They wouldn't have had the featured roles. So the Lakers have done a clearly done a good job of identifying talent. But this idea that the Lakers can just should have just kept everyone or should have kept this player or that player. The reality is, in the last handful of years, not only have the Lakers won another championship, they've also brought Anthony Davis, a a generationally talented player, into the franchise to be the guy guy who pairs with and after LeBron James' tenure in Los Angeles. And I say potentially generational talent because he has to be able to be on the court and be more of a difference maker. Anthony Davis's worst case scenario is he's a guy who was immensely talented, who put up big numbers, but you could never quite say, man, Anthony Davis was just the guy in every single game on the floor. It just, it, it, he's not quite there yet. He certainly has a runway to get there, and I think everybody hopes that he does. The good news is with him is it's not a chronic injury, but it's a series of continued injuries. And whether it's based on the way that he's physically constructed, bad luck, or whatever it may be, it's just going to be a challenge for him in order to be able to prove that he is that guy unless he can stay on the court consistently. Listen, guys, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Click that follow button now. Russell Westbrook, guys. Huh. Russell Westbrook. I have some thoughts. I think we all do, right? 
No. I already said that everybody wants a scapegoat and it can't be Russ. He's not the only guy to blame, but he's the easiest guy to pick on. Let's talk about Russell Westbrook's numbers in January. The month of January, Russell Westbrook is averaging 13.7 points, 7.6 rebounds, and 5.4 assists. Season lows, obviously. But that's, that's not really the part I want to focus on. The part I want to focus on is the fact that he's shooting 32.7% from the field and 11.7% or 11.1% from the three-point line. Now, weirdly, he's shooting his best percentage of, from the free throw percentage of the year during this miserable stretch. Just weird. Couple things. One is, to Russ's credit, as opposed to earlier in the season, October and November, last couple months, he shot fewer threes. He's still taking too many. He's still averaging more than two per game. That's at least one too many. I don't mind if Russ takes one, maybe two threes a game if he's really wide open. But with that athleticism, that speed, that ability to get to the basket, that ability to dunk all over Rudy Gobert with authority and to be settling for these weird-ass jump shots, it's just bizarre. It's like he has to prove to himself that he's capable of it. Dude, give it up. So many players who have followed a career trajectory like his in terms of athleticism and who have survived who has survived multiple knee surgeries would kill to have that kind of bounce still. Imagine if Derrick Rose still had that kind of bounce. Are you kidding me? Russ still's got that bounce. He should be taking the ball to the basket every time. It kills me that the Lakers don't run pick and roll every single time. I don't understand it. Anyway, whew, that was quite quite the rant, I realized, but it was necessary, you guys. Okay. Now, Russ had a stretch of some really bad games. A few real, real stinkers in a row. Last couple of games, he's been better, but he has not been great. But he's been better. I hope that that continues. I hope that he knows that he doesn't have to prove himself. It doesn't matter if he scores five points or 25 points, as long as he's playing the right way. He sat for a long time in the second half in that game versus Utah. Long time. I thought he was going to sit the rest of the way. I think only because THT was struggling did Russ come back in, to be honest. I think the Lakers, I think Vogel felt like he needed another playmaker out there with LeBron. So Russ is the most obvious candidate to get blamed. Obviously, I mean, he just, he, he has not been, it's not that he has been drastically different than what he's been for his career. His numbers are a little down, but we all expected that playing with LeBron and AD, right? The issue is he just, he's so unsure of what to do when he's out there. And I remember when I went to one of the first Lakers games of the season in person, and that was my observation at the time. And I was like, well, he'll figure it out. And he just hasn't. And the Lakers haven't. And it's as much on the organization and the coaches as it is on Russ. That's a symbiotic relationship. That's, that's, that goes both ways. But he ain't going anywhere. Lakers are not trading him. This idea that they can trade his contract is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the purest form of comedy. 
I would maybe entertain the idea that the Rockets to get out of John Wall's money might consider that, but why? What's the point? Make the same amount of money. You want to bring Russ back to Houston? Really? I mean, I don't... For the Lakers, I mean... John John Wall... The idea of John Wall is probably a lot more exciting for a lot of Lakers fans than Russell Westbrook right now. That much I'll say. But I do want to give credit to Russell Westbrook for something unrelated to Laker basketball, too. Well, related in the fact that he plays for Lakers, but nothing to do on the court. I have a cousin who lives in uh, Colorado in the areas that were recently impacted by the fires. And although she and her family were fortunate to keep their homes, uh, one of her son's friends was not. And he lost, he and his family lost their home. Young, young boy. And recently, before the Lakers got their ass whooped by the Nuggets, uh, Russ brought that, that boy onto the court. And uh, I thought that was really cool. I think it might, it might have been the, the younger brother of the boy, or it might have been the boy who was my cousin's son's friend. Anyway, the point is not who was, you know, we all know what the point is here. All right. So sometimes, you know, just remember that these people are human beings, right? Everybody wants to be successful at what they do. Some of us more than others. Is Kendrick Nunn ever going to play a game for the Lakers? That's really the question. <laughs> the real question is Kendrick Nunn ever going to play a game for the Lakers? Because we sort of heard out of nowhere that, you know, he oh, he's ramping it up. He's ramping it up, right? He might even be an option in daily fantasy sports soon because he's ramping it up. And then all of a sudden, actually, uh, his knee is kind of not responding as, as we were hoping for, and he's, he's going to be out for a while. I mean, did, did, he, did he not take a physical before the, the contract was signed? I, I'm just I'm curious. Did that happen or not? Because if not, then, you know, okay. But it's, it's been frustrating. Obviously, it's been frustrating. And I'm just joking about the physical, by the way. But it's, it's, it's been frustrating. I don't think he's going to be included in any trades because if he can't get healthy, I mean, he's got a player option for next year. No one wants to play somebody who can't pay, pay somebody who can't play. Shout out to Chandler Parsons settling his lawsuit today, by the way, and retiring officially in case anyone was thinking about bringing back Chandler Parsons to play for the Lakers. But the Kendrick Nunn piece has been frustrating because everybody's been saying, oh, Kendrick Nunn's going to play a big role for this team. Trevor Reese is going to play a big role for this team. Wayne Ellington's going to play a big role for this team. All right, guys. Stanley Johnson's played a bigger role than all three of them combined. So Kendrick Nunn's out of sight, out of mind as far as I'm concerned. If he comes back and plays, great. If not, you know, Monk, THT, Reeves, Westbrook, playing the guys I got. And speaking of, you know, guys I got, daily fantasy sports, trade market, all these things. It's a perfect time for us to talk about exactly what you think. We have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app on, or at thrivefantasy.com. Use our code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. You can play you could pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, including Jeremy Grant, who we're about to talk about. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. That's right. Check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. 
Jeremy Grant might be a popular fantasy play if he gets traded to the Lakers, but that might only be happening in the world of 2K as far as I'm concerned. I'm so tired of hearing Jeremy Grant to the Lakers. Today, today's report is my favorite report. The Pistons have received interest from the Lakers, Blazers, Knicks, Jazz, Wizards, Celtics, Pacers, Timberwolves, Kings, and every other team with a pulse about Jeremy Grant. Hey, talented market, uh, talented team, excuse me, talented player has on an underperforming, underwhelming team, talented player with big contract on an underwhelming rebuilding team, a talented player who could help a lot of teams. Hey, uh, I just want to check in and see what you want for him. So yes, I'm sure a lot of teams are interested in Jeremy Grant. The Lakers do not have anything to trade for Jeremy Grant. The Lakers do not have anything to trade for anybody who is going to suddenly fix this team. The Lakers should just be focused on improving from within. If the Lakers can get Jeremy Grant onto this team for the cost of Taylor Horton Tucker and a first round pick, I will be absolutely mystified as to what spell Rob Palinka has cast over the entire NBA. That said, that's just about the best the Lakers can do. I am sure that a team with real interest in Grant can do better than that. And look, it's not that I'm totally poo-pooing Taylor Horton Tucker, who we hear the Lakers are quote-unquote shopping. Yeah, the Lakers are shopping him. They don't have anyone else to offer. Sure, they're asking, hey, I'm going to put THT on the table. What would you give me? Some team says, hey, we'll give you three first-round picks and a player. Sure. Right? Danny Ainge was once ready to give up four first-round picks for Frank Kaminsky. So crazy shit does happen. But the reality is, the Lakers are who we think they are. Let's all get comfortable with that idea. So as the Lakers move forward, they are a 500 team. Will it be a turning point? We've asked that question so many times. I I just don't see how this team becomes drastically better. Unless when Anthony Davis is back on the court, suddenly... Something clicks between he, Westbrook, and LeBron. Anthony Davis is obviously a huge factor, but this team was pretty much a 500 team when he played as well. It doesn't matter who's been out there. Broad statement, I realize. The reality is this Lakers team just has to be better, period. If they want to compete for anything, anything of substance, even a... (laughs) Even an exit out of the first round in terms of advancing to the second round. They're going to have to be way better than what we've seen to date. I am very curious. I am very curious how this Lakers team responds to all this noise. I am so intrigued by the fact that this team thinks it can just flip a switch. I am so curious about how this team thinks it is going to get easier as their schedule gets harder. There are a lot of questions within that room, and I hope there is someone who has the verve to stand up and say, we need to be accountable to answer for our, to ourselves and to one another. We'll see how the Lakers respond. Hey guys, before we get ready to sign off on the Ethos Lakers show, we also want to remind you to use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And 
Also, check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use our code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. As always, guys, it's a pleasure to be with you. You find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. Follow our show at Ethos Lakers. And for more of my Lakers takes, you can always, always, always find me on the Ethos Lakers podcast. But until next time, I'm out.